Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Welcome. My name is Melina Williams, also known as the Perverted Negress, and this is my brand new podcast, The Negress Natters which will feature rants, raves, and randomness from myself and assorted friends and people and places and things. Uh, yes, I will have inanimate objects also speaking to you at some point <laughs> during my show. And I'm here with Dan and Dawn, which is very exciting for me. I get to actually be here in person with them. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Hello, kids. Hi. Hi. Or also known as, hi, Mo. Hi, Mo. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of funny because originally, um, I think you had mentioned me coming on to y'all's show mm-hmm. and doing a rant of some kind. Well, long-term listeners will recall this will be the third time you've been on the podcast mm-hmm. in one hour. Once, oof. 18 months or so ago. At least. At uh, Dark, Dark Odyssey. Odyssey. Oh my Sarah. God, that's right. With Sarah yeah. Sloan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we have been pursuing you ever since then. And once <laughs> you, I think once you got the impression I wasn't trying to get into your pants, but into your voice. That uh, You're not trying to get into my pants? Aww. <laughs> <laughs> come on and do some rants mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just as a fun kind of thing to do but the more we explored it i don't know how sustainable that'll be you may want to get you may want to have a oh, I'll rant <laughs> <laughs> just I be careful it. i'm not talking about exactly simmerin people that invite me over then don't get my pants. <laughs> white men with ponytails <laughs> don't get me started <laughs> <laughs> short, as I try and get myself out of this, you will be covering one of our Monday shows from here on out. Excellent. In, until the contract runs out, which... Yes. <laughs> My detailed contract. Seven yes. pages, sub-clauses. Right. Adjunct, and then the appendices. <laughs> yes, yes. Extensive. I had to bring in lawyers to have it looked at. Yeah. And then, you know, it just works out that the uh, the sum of all profits, zero, you get one, <laughs> a nice slice of that. So... I know the Fed will be all over me. They'll be like, what is this? You get zero monthly. What is up with that? Why we can charge that? you if that would help. <laughs> Thank you. The then I can deduct it from my, uh, uh, from my epic, appropriately huge salary of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we put a poll out there on the Erotic Awakening FetLife group some time ago. Who would you mm-hmm. like to be one of the guest hosts? And you had the by far the most votes, the most support. Which was shocking. Because I was like, wow, really? Okay. <laughs> You've been... 
invoked. I have. I know it was funny because the way I saw that on FedLife was that someone I knew right. said, we want Melina. And it just rolled by my feet. I'm like, you want me for what? Right. And so then I looked at the post and was like, well, that is kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't even have to pay anybody. Nope. There was nope. no bribery involved. They didn't offer to provide anyone with sexual service or even a reach around. <gasps> so that was kind of cool. <laughs> Not even a reach around. <laughs> and that brings us to where we are now. Yay. So what is your show going to be? What are so, we in store for each month? Each month will be uniquely different and amazing and awesome. Uh, what I really want to do is to provide a forum where uh, I get to just sort of free flow because I do write a lot on my blog, which is molina.com, M-O-L-L-E-N-A.com. And we will certainly have a link to that on the page. But I also enjoy the more free-flowing style of just talking. And a lot of times when I talk, I discover things that I hadn't necessarily thought about. And I don't censor myself and try to um, adjust my flow as much when I'm talking. So I thought, wouldn't this be really great? So um, each month there'll be a different sort of general topic. And then we'll have offshoots from that. And there will be some people I'll bring on to guest and interview them and to talk to and to explore different topics. And um, there will certainly also be randomness because I understand that this is basically like a kinky sex thing. Mm -hmm. But then there's also some other stuff that, you know, uh, that fascinates me and intrigues me. And so if for one month I'm like, oh, my God, you guys, I just read this amazing book on parasites, you know, and I really need to talk about it. (laughs) We might have a segment of the show that's about parasites. But the challenge will be that I will promise to bring it back around to perversion. (laughs) So regardless of what the topic is, if you're like, let's tune into my show. Why is she talking about, you know, um, uh, this particular lung parasite that, you know, lives only in the left lung of these symbionese goldfish. And then it will eventually be about the symbiotic relationship between master and slave. So I don't know. Oh, wow. See, so you just pulled that out of thin air. Oh, that's sexy. <laughs> Come here, baby. Call up into my gills. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I would book that presentation. Waves <laughs> are like long fish. So I encourage people. Um, and again, we'll have a little link here on the Erotic Awakenings page. If there's a topic that you'd like to see me cover, I'm certainly open to that. Or if there's someone you'd like to hear me interview and I have a way to get them online and get them on the phone, I would love to do that as well. Or if you have any specific questions, you know, um, I have people who ask me questions quite a bit on Formspring or on FetLife. Uh, I'm happy to answer those or to discuss them and bring them to, to different uh, experts. And say, so, you know what, I don't know about that. I'm going to ask someone who was a whip maker or someone who was a therapist or someone who was a nurse or someone who was a marine biologist, you know, <laughs> how exactly are submissives like lung flukes? And then we can have that discussion and bring it back full circle. So, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. I'm looking forward to it because, you know, uh, since I'm the sort of person who bores easily when it comes to having to stick to one spit. <laughs> stick to one specific format, I'm going to kick it up a notch every week. And huh? see what inspires me awesome. and see what happens. So those are the basic, kind of far-reaching, broad scope, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, overarching um, ethos. Ah, yes. Nice. Yes. So, yay. And I'm very glad to be here. So uh, one of the first things I want to do, so we're going to go back to the roots. And it's funny because right before the show, we were talking about the whole rant thing. <laughs> I didn't really have anything specifically on my plate, but, you know, the universe always provides. <laughs> And so Dawn had mentioned something about um, people, uh, submissives specifically, being quote-unquote protected by Mm -hmm. dominance and other people. And for those of you who aren't familiar with this concept, it's something that 
did exist in the kink and leather community way back in the day, but it had a different format. So protecting people is basically the idea that you uh, request and are granted the quote-unquote protection of another person, usually a dominant, in order to facilitate your growth within the community. If you're new or if you are newly out of a relationship or you're feeling very vulnerable for whatever reason that vulnerability might be, you would go to someone and say, look, you know, I need some help right now. I'm feeling a little bit off kilter or lost and I would like for you to be my protector, to be, you know, the idea is that someone would be a buffer between you and the right. outside world, you know. Um, and back in the day, you know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of people who were fresh and new to the scene saw that and thought, well, I need to have a protector. I need to, I don't know anything. What am I doing? I'm coming into this new scene and I'm, I'm vulnerable and I'm weak and I'm this delicate trembling flower, you know, very much like me. <laughs> and would seek quote unquote protection against the onslaught of slavering, leering, avaricious dominance who were prowling the alleys of the leather community dun, looking dun, for fresh meat. Dun, yeah, exactly. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Sharks, see, it's all coming together. <laughs> so, <laughs> so these sharks were circling and you needed someone to, you know, smack them on the nose and say, go away, don't bother the, the new fresh meat. Um, and theoretically, that doesn't sound like such a horrible thing, does it? You know? No. Um, and I think it sort of came into vogue with the advent of FetLife, um, for those of you not familiar, FetLife, a kink website, F-E-T-L-I-F-E. -E. Pretty much every kinky person that I run across has a profile on FetLife. And if you don't, you can always check it out. Um, and one of the things that you can indicate on your profile in your relationship status is that you are under the protection of so-and-so. And so then you click on that link and you see who's protecting this other person. You know, the pluses, I guess, are that you don't have to deal with unpleasant situations. You can defer them to someone else. So you don't have to be the quote-unquote bad guy. Um, where the rant part of this comes in for me is this. By the time you are entering the king community, it's my thought that you're probably supposed to be some degree of adult. Yeah, You know, uh, most king venues won't even let you participate if you are not at least 18, in some places 19, and in some places even 21. Uh, I don't understand what the fuck an adult person needs to be protected from is my, is my issue with this, you know. Uh, feel free to counterpoint if you're like, you know, <laughs> shut the fuck up, mode. this is why protection is awesome. But uh, my thinking is that part of what you need to learn to do in the same way when you're a child and you learn to walk, if you never fall, how the hell are you ever going to get the coordination right. to know what that fall feels like? How are you going to understand that the pain of that fall won't kill you? You know, I believe that people using protection as a way to say, well, I can't handle this. I need someone else to do it hinders your growth first and foremost. And I wonder what the purpose and the motivation are for the people who are protecting these other folks. Sometimes, I think it's definitely true, there are people who are really just wanting to be mentored, mm -hmm. in which case, get someone to mentor you. Right, and, and we always um, talk about peer mentoring. Mm -hmm. So you want a slave to mentor a slave, yes. a dom to mentor a dom. Exactly. I mean, it's like, if pilots and stewardesses is what we usually use. You don't want a pilot to mentor a stewardess or vice versa. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you want someone that can fly the plane to mentor you to fly the plane. Exactly. But so, you often will see, you know, dominance, quote unquote, mentoring submissives. Mm -hmm. And uh, you almost never see submissives, quote unquote, mentoring dominance, <laughs> which I find interesting. And frankly, um, I find that actually something that would be helpful. I think my radar would perk a little bit less if I saw that a dominant was being mentored by a submissive. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe that's a, maybe I'm some sort of, you know, topist. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm biased against dominance. But to me, I think that there is a great deal to learn 
from the submissive or slave point of view for dominance. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, what can a dominant teach a submissive? A great deal, you know, but in a mentoring situation, I wonder if there are lines that are blurred. Right. You know, um, when the person in control, says the other situation, is also someone for whom that power dynamic is what they seek. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's I'm like, ah, the lines got blurred or whatever. So back to the protection thing. This is the thing. <laughs> Be a fucking grown up. Okay. This is the e-ticket ride. This is you saying my sexuality is so important to me. I'm going to make a choice in my lifestyle, whether it be that you are someone who plays once a year at an event or someone for whom you are living a 24 seven full time SM lifestyle. But these are big decisions that you're making. And it is Mm -hmm. really my belief that the way that you learn and the way that you grow is by having these experiences and falling the fuck down and getting up and saying that hurt, that sucked. I'm going to do it again. I'm making that choice. (laughs) You know, if you have someone who is going to say for you, Oh, they don't want to play with you. Oh, well, you know, let me get back to you on that. How are you ever going to learn to say no? Right. How are you going to learn to negotiate your situations? How are you going to learn to trust your radar if your protector is absorbing all of that for you? You know, and perhaps, yes, your protector is someone who is so astute and so in touch with you that they sense your growth and let you go and take these steps with you, et cetera, et cetera. But it seems to me a lot more like a passive aggressive way. It's frequently used. Right. um, To say, you know what? I can't deal with this. I'm going to let someone else do it. I don't want to say no. I'm too delicate. I'm too, you know, whatever, you know. Um, I got into a terrible fight a couple of years ago, (laughs) I remember, on FetLife. Oh, that was delightful. With a submissive person who posted and said, well, as a submissive, I have no way to protect myself against dominance. Wow. Because once they approach me with that dominant energy, you know, I just, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I said, so, gosh, don't ever visit New York because you would be crawling (laughs) up Fifth Avenue in 45 fucking seconds. Right. I said, seriously, do you move through the world that way? And I don't know why you feel entitled to drop everything that you've learned in your life to come into the community as a sort of vulnerable, kittenish creature, you know? Now, I don't disagree with you, but, mm-hmm. I, but I like twisting your intellectual nipple. Mm-hmm. So I will. Ah. I was waiting for you to do it first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't you? You certainly have some background and experience mm-hmm. in the leather community. Sure. Now, the, the leather community has more protocols Depending on how deep you go into the leather community, you get deeper and deeper into more leather, more protocols, and you can walk into a leather event and do it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Do it in such a way that people look at you and go, oh, look at the wannabe, (laughs) look at the gawker, right? And you hear that in the leather events. Oh, you just came off the street, you're just a gawker, right? Right, We don't like you, you're not real leather. Yeah. So isn't that a good reason to find yourself a mentor or protector or something that can show you the ropes? The flip side of a protector is, of course, men have dicks. And that makes them dicks, right? <laughs> so my theory is that a man will stick... Some women have dicks, too. Yes, indeed. I've seen them. <laughs> but they generally, generally know how to use them with more integrity. <laughs> That's my personal opinion. That one of the positives is when you see... Uh, Hi, I'm 24 years old and brand new to BDSM. Mm-hmm. Can someone please help me? Uh, immediately, my... Slime radar goes off. Yeah. And, you know, the people that are responding going, oh, my name's Big Big Dick 72. I could (laughs) be your protector because there's bad people out there. Right, right, right. Wouldn't you rather have somebody at least who's, I don't know, less dick-centered to be a protector? Sure. And I think that in that case, where the protector, for example, were another submissive, Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and or a uh, a, a person who was outside of their um, 
potential quote unquote dating pool right. with a potential counterpart, I think that would be great. Mm-hmm. I think that that eliminates the blurred lines. And I do think that having someone to mentor you into the scene is fabulous. The protector thing, it seems to me, is more often used for the latter scenario that you established. Mm-hmm. You right. Know, like the, is, the harem scenario. Exactly. Well, I'm protecting this person, I'm protecting that person, et cetera, et cetera. Because you're right. It's easy to stumble in in your excitement mm-hmm. and to step on toes, you know, and to feel as though, oh my God, what if I do the wrong thing? And I've seen that happen over and over again. People will say, I went to this party, I went to this event, I felt really uncomfortable, I didn't know what to do, you know, but advice column time, one of the first things you can do when you're new is tell everyone you're new. Right. Don't bullshit. We know. Right. We we can tell. And I guarantee you that aside from the most curmudgeonly bastard, most of us will remember we were new Mm -hmm. and if you, and and treat you with compassion, not with kid gloves, but with some compassion say, Mm -hmm. I remember when I was new Mm -hmm. and say, you know what? Okay, cool. You know, Here's some tips. Be polite. Ask questions. Don't leer. Don't get too close. You know, treat it as though you were in a museum with respect and you're gazing yes. upon the exhibits, you know, versus treating it like it's your own personal uh, uh, pile of Play-Doh when you're just digging both hands in and messing mm-hmm. around when you first come in. Yeah. And, you know, you know and when it's new people, us, us elders, <laughs> I guess that's what we're called now, <laughs> you know, we'll watch out for them. You know? <laughs> you just gave Mo another uh, rant material. <laughs> I'm sorry. Damn, <laughs> so, but we've been around the block a few times, yeah, you yeah. know, and and we we um, will watch out for the new people, and and we'll I'll pull them aside and say, hey, be a little careful around so and so. You know, it's not that they're a bad person, but you know, just be a little careful around, you know, until you get your your, your feet under yourself and right. you know and things like that. There's, so there's an awareness we'll watch that has to them. be had. And and you know, I wanna also underscore new does not necessarily mean young. There's certainly people mm-hmm. who are much yeah. older than right. I am who uh, uh, have less experience than I do. And there are people, you know, there are people I know who are in their, you know, twenties who've been doing this intensely. Right. You know, for ten years, because the second they could, they were in it to win it, and they were mm-hmm. they were immersed in the scene, and they, they they saturated themselves in there. So the idea that you have to necessarily come to the elders, yeah, you know, uh, doesn't it's not a guarantee that you're getting the best intel. That's true. You know, um, but it can it can be very helpful to just check around and see who's been around for a while, who has survived, mm-hmm. who is still here. Use your instinct. You know, one of the things I like to share with people when I'm presenting classes on. I have to do a class called Negotiation for the Shy and Awkward, you know? <laughs> and one of the things I let people know is you have a really great tool coming in, regardless of your being fresh off the block new. You have your gut instinct. Right. Don't drop it at the door. Right. I understand it's really tempting, you know, when suddenly you're discovering that you're submissive and all you want to do is kneel and lick boots and serve and do this awesome stuff. It's like, you know what? Ooh, Nelly. Slave crave. The slave crave. Yes, those are the ones I worry about mm-hmm. that come in and it's like, oh, this is what I've always wanted to do. This speaks to me. Yes, close off on knees and right. willing to accept anything from anybody. Exactly. And common sense left at the door. Exactly. And in that case, that's a situation where I can see where people want a quote unquote protector. Mm-hmm. You know, where what you might do better doing is having an ally or having a protector who's another submissive or slave. Right. Someone else who's in your peer group, you know, and in that instance, they're protecting the memory of themselves as well. Mm. You know, part of what I do when people ask me, what, what should I do? I can go back and I can say, I remember 
mm-hmm. how that was. A dominant or a master can't necessarily give you that. Right. They're coming from a place of observing. And very astute, sharp, sharp dominance and masters can observe quite a bit, but there's still a membrane between their experience and ours. Yeah, well, they're coming from a place of theory as mm-hmm. well, right. you know, instead of the experience. Exactly. So though it can be great, it's, it's just still not the same. Exactly. It's not going to be the same. And in as much as they value you and cherish you, if you're going to be protected by someone and you really feel you have to have that because you really are feeling that emotionally vulnerable, mm-hmm. why not find someone who is another person of your own stripe? Right. You know, that would be my wind down other rant. That'd be my, that, that's my positive suggestion. <laughs> See how I did that there? I didn't Yay. just rant and then leave you hanging. Yeah. Like, rant, rant, rant. You're wrong and you suck. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Petty pet peeve rant, 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 and here's a way to turn it around. There you go. Ah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's really cool. Um, I don't know when is this going to actually air? Air oh. or or pixel? When will it pixel? This will pixel about <laughs> um, twenty-seven minutes after you leave. Oh, cool. Okay, <laughs> so it'll be on the air immediately. Like, no, I was I wasn't sure if we would be in the new year yet, or uh, or if it will be um, still twenty. 11? What year is this? This is 2011. Yeah. This is 2011. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have no idea. Um, it's funny because this is a sort of time of year where you get really reflective and shit, even mm-hmm. though, you know, dates are completely arbitrary and the Jews have already been into their new year for a while. <laughs> you know, the pagans are like, it, like well, the pagans, we just had the solstice. So yeah. Good solstice. Last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's interesting because regardless of the fact that I don't celebrate Christmas, Mm-hmm. I still get that holiday thing, that end of year thing, that contemplative sort of like, what have I done with my year? Mm. Where do I see myself going? You know, mm-hmm. um, and that introspection has been uh, pretty intense for me, especially because I, you know, recently uh, got to a point where I've been involved in negotiating with this dominant person guy creature <laughs> for a little over a year, and uh, and of course, you know, you add that to the whole turning of the seasons, and you get this really reflective kind of. What am I doing? What's happening? And um, I went to an acupuncturist a few weeks ago when I was still in San Francisco, and I was experiencing this tension. I was having trouble sleeping. I was going through all this stuff, and I said, I'm just, it's not even that I have free-floating anxiety. It's that I'm so busy. My little brain hamsters are racing, like they're just sucking down pellets and running and running and running, and I can't seem to stop it. And I have this sort of not like a sadness, but a kind of like a wistful ennui kind of thing going on. And she said, well, actually, we're moving into a transition of an iron phase. You know, iron? Chinese medicine has a lot of different um, elements mm-hmm. attached to different phases of the year, attached to different seasons, attached to their astrology. And uh, apparently the phase we were moving into this winter was iron. And iron has to do with death and loss and hardness and coldness and all these kinds of things. And she said she's been seeing a lot of people who are feeling this, uh, not a malaise, but it's sort of like a, a, a sensation of change and of loss. And uh, we're coming to her going, I'd fix it, fix it. <laughs> I, just, I, can't, I don't know what to do. You know? But part of what I've been meditating on a great deal is actually sitting in those places. You mm-hmm. know? And for me especially, um, being fairly newly involved in a master-slave dynamic and seeing what you lose when you are in that kind of relationship. You know, it's interesting to me because when I explain uh, master slave relationships to people, they're like, so you give up your freedom? So you're saying you don't want to make these decisions, you want someone else to do it. I'm like, yes, isn't that awesome? 
you know, um, and and so most people say, no, I just, I don't, I, I, I need to have my freedom. It's a very American thing. You know, I need to be able to make my own decisions. I need to have that power and that control, you know. Um, and part of what I've been putting together in the season of change and the season of loss and the season of mourning is mourning and letting go of, of uh, parts of myself that maybe served me very well in the past, but perhaps don't serve me well right now. Mm-hmm. And coming and sitting with that, you know, I started doing a sitting meditation, which I started doing by accident because I'm not a sitter and meditator. <laughs> by any stretch of the fucking imagination. <laughs> um, and so I, there's a beautiful store in San Francisco called For the Love of Ganesh, and Ganesh being oh, my, nice. my personal guy. Yes. Um, and the woman who runs it is um, from Southeast Asia, and 50% of all of her profits go back to her village. Oh, nice. And she personally like brings the money and the stuff that she gathers there. And the store is just jam-packed with all sorts of clothes from all over Asia and stones and meditation stuff mm. and, and, and different idols and all these things. But in the side of the store, there's a little curtain that covers this tiny door. And when you go through it, there's a little Ganesha temple nice. on the side of the store. It's maybe five feet by 10 or 12 feet. Mm-hmm. You know, room for three or three or four people to sit inside. There's candles and there's a big Ganesha statue and all wow. these statues and you can sit and meditate. And I was sitting in there. Another dude was sitting in there as well. And I can't pretend that I'm some sort of Zen meditator. You know, I have too many hamsters and too much shit going on <laughs> in my brain. And I'm sitting in there, but I actually managed to get some breathing done. And I'm doing this thing and I'm sitting. And then these five children come in to the temple thing, right? And I'm like, okay, kids, yeah, this will be great. <laughs> so they're sitting there and they're little one the big girl like the bossy girl is like shh we're meditating and so she sits there like in full lotus going oh <laughs> oh and I'm like oh my fucking god and the other kids are giggling and laughing and giggling and laughing and going on and on and I'm like okay someone's from my fucking zen state this is just not gonna happen and they were in there for a while. Really, two of them actually seemed to be genuinely trying to meditate. And the other three were just giggling and laughing. I'm just like, this is unfucking believable. After about 10 minutes of this, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to leave. I can't, I can't do this. And then I looked over. I sort of peeked out of one eye because I'm still trying to be like, look at me doing the Zen thing, kids. Why don't you STFU right about fucking now? So I peek over. And two of the girls are sitting there in the lotus position and doing the thing. The other three are laughing. And I said, oh, my God, Mo. You are being so mean. Why don't you just appreciate the energy of these little kids mm-hmm. in this meditation room? So I said, okay, fine. I'm just going to appreciate the energy of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And after a few minutes, it was, it was funny because I thought, you know, how cool that this is where they choose to play, you mm-hmm. know? And I actually thought, well, that's kind of wonderful. You know, they're not vandalizing. They're not being obnoxious. They're just, they're just there doing mm-hmm. the whole thing, you know? And after a few more minutes, their laughing actually made me feel happy, you know? And I thought, wow, wow, this might be actual meditation. Holy shit. Hold on, I'm just going to keep breathing and feeling this joy. Oh, my God. Wow, this is amazing. This is fantastic, you know? And then the kids were laughing, doing a little thing, and eventually they left. And I just kept sitting there, and I thought, wow, you know? And then I started crying. I was like, oh, my God, why am I crying? What's going on? And I realized it was because this sort of cranky part of me had been broken open. Hmm. And I had to let go of that reflexive reality that I had, you know, Mm -hmm. and so much of what I've been experiencing in trying to learn what my submissive self looks like in the past year is really painful because it is about loss and it is about death, 
you know, um, I had a great many ideas about what being a slave looked like, <laughs> you know, I'm a pretty monogamous kind of person and mm-hmm. the dominant I'm negotiating with is not monogamous, <laughs> you know, and is married and all this, you know, all this other stuff. I'm thinking this will never work. I can't, I can't, as much as I feel the energy we have, I can't do it. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And that belief had its own energy, right? you know, and that's a living thing. That energy, that, that belief for me was alive. And as I started to let go of it, and there was this discomfort and this pain, I said, why does this hurt so much? Analytical mo is analytical, right? Mm-hmm. I need to know why the pain is happening. <laughs> and what I realized finally as I kept hitting these walls was that the pain was that part of me hanging on, saying, please don't let me go. We have been walking together on this path for so long. I need to believe that we were right. Mm. And I said, what if we're not right? What if we let go of the idea of being right? You know, and there's a pain that is part of that loss. And it's not a bad loss. It's not as though I'm giving up part of my core being. It's that I'm saying this belief is not me and letting that go. And as I've spoken to other people who've been slaves for much longer than I have, who know more about it than I do, because despite, you know, 18 years being consciously kinky and 15 years being involved in the scene, I have not been owned. So this is all very new for me. This process of letting go these 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 losses and what feels like an amazing amount of pain, on the other side of it, what I've discovered is actually a lightning. Yes. You know, and so what's amazing to me and when I when I try to share this with people is sit with the pain. So many people in the past, you know, 14, 16 months have said, I don't see how you can do this. I wouldn't do it. It's too painful. Mm-hmm. It's too much. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, you know, some days it is, but I hold on. You know, I've learned to sit with something that hurts rather than saying it's pain. Right. Is it damaging me? Is it ruining my core? Is it shredding me apart? Am I able to get up and still look myself in the mirror and say, I still love who I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so far I still have been able to do that. The dark nights of the soul can be absolutely worth it sometimes mm-hmm. and getting on that other side. And it's like... Um, you know, some people say giving up your freedom, giving up your freedom. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, I became free once I accepted that's who I was. Mm -hmm. You know, there was just like this heavy burden that was lifted when I was Mm -hmm. able to get to that other side and surrender. So it's, it's, you know, some people will not see that until they experience it. And I think you know, people don't experience like, it because they hit the pain and they hit and that darkness. The stove. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, the, and and the rhetorical question: This is the question I have been asking myself for the past six months. How do you know? How do you know that it's not a bad pain? How do you know that you're leaving your hand on the stove and you're just going to pull it away? It's like the frog in the pot, right? Right. Frogs in a pot of cold water sitting on a fire <laughs> feels good. Fog's like, la, la, la. And then the fire gets a little bit warmer and the fog's like, oh, bath, awesome. That, and I'm dead. Because yeah. I've been boiled to death because I let myself, <laughs> you know, stay right. in the situation and, and miss that point. It's, it's, I've been there in that pain before mm-hmm. and you just know who you want to be on the other side of that. Yeah. And yeah. you know if you back off that you're not going to reach that point exactly. that you want exactly. to get to. And for me, the, the realization of, you know, if, if I have my hand on the stove, that's pain. Mm-hmm. Bad pain. 
Mm-hmm. It's not that that gets me. It's the thought of, remember when I had, oh, I had my hand on the stove. Why didn't anybody take my hand off the stove? Yeah. I shouldn't have put my hand on that stove. That was dumb of me to do. Yep. Why would I ever do that? And reliving that. Mm-hmm. Or, so it's the, the thing that I did in the past is ca- generating pain. Or the fear of the future. Boy, I better stay away from stoves. Stoves are hot. If I touch a stove, I'd probably hurt. And if I'm hurt, people see how weak I am. And I yeah. scream and I cry. I know enough to take my hand off the hot stove. The part where I, I suffer is when I think, when I relive that pain, yeah. recreate it, try and change the way it came out, or when I fantasize about the future and if I'm not this person, oh my God, instead of just being in the now, taking yeah. it back to that Zen spot and that mm-hmm. meditation, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I, I do believe that you and Dawn and everybody are, if you can stop and breathe for a moment, you know. Instinctively, you know. This yeah. is... This is okay yeah. it hurts but it's okay exactly and exactly. it can be deeply painful and de- <laughs> you know what <laughs> from lung flutes to this <laughs> yeah but I, but that's how i found the whole concept of the dark night of the soul mm-hmm. you know and and everything kind of like turns a circle circle and you have to experience this and let go of some stuff and and nobody can help you the acupuncturist can't help you it's something that you have to go through no and then when you get to the other side it's like until it happens again (laughs) and it's time to let go of something else yeah and the thing is that the happening again part as you just as you just mentioned that's a part where you know that you fear that's an additional fear is that what happens if i fuck up what if it's too much what if what if what if Mm -hmm. whereas the reality is that you in that letting go that what is also dying is that fear and Mm -hmm. fear flops around as it dies it's huge Mm -hmm. you know and that the fear of the fear, you know, yeah, is, yeah. is also really painful. And part of what I realized is that, you know, as someone who's a recovering alcoholic, as someone who has um, been through a great deal of introspection, I can say it won't kill me. Right. You know, and that's what I have to remember is that remaining present and focused and in the moment will not kill me. And it is not damaging. Mm-hmm. You know, I have developed an incredible amount of faith in myself in the past year, year and a half, you know, um, in saying, you know what, if I'm engaging in this situation, even if it looks crazy as fuck, (laughs) even if it seems balls out nuts, Mm -hmm. I have something to learn on the other side. Just what you said. I want to be that person on the other side. Right. You know, I lived in a beautiful, huge rent controlled Victorian flat Mm. in the mission district in San Francisco. I had a job where I was making more money than I made in my entire life. And I walked away from both of those things. Mm -hmm. And people said to me, you are fucking stupid. Like to my face, friends, like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Why would you leave? How could you do that? And I said, because it's not where I need to go. It's comfortable. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that apartment. I love that job. I love the people I worked with. But I finally had a point where, you know, my boss said to me one day, you know, you really need to take this job more seriously because I was traveling and teaching and presenting. It's like you need to focus more energy here. You know, what are your priorities? And I felt horrible for a day. I was like, he's right. I really need to buckle down and focus. And then the third day I woke up and was like, holy shit, my priority is me. Not this job, not this paycheck, none of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I walked away from what seemed like a crazy situation and wound up moving back home to New York, Mm -hmm. living with people I love very much, and paying a third of the rent I was paying in San Francisco, in New York City. Impossible? Sure. But if I hadn't leapt off of that cliff... 
Right. I would never have, I would never have found that, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me to have looked back and said, let me see, let me be in a long distance, long distance relationship with a polyamorous dominant <laughs> who's got a married primary and all of that. And looking at it on paper, I said, no way. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh-huh. This is everything I don't want. When I made my list and I tried to manifest <laughs> that, this is what I got. Right. So I could say, oh, my manifestation skills must be off. <laughs> or I can say, I just can't see some part of this. Right. If someone had said to me six years ago, you will love waking up sober and you will have done it for over four and a half years. Mm-hmm. I would have said, get the fuck out. <laughs> You're stupid. And in fact, I'm living that right now. Today I am sober and today I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I can look back and say, look at the pain I had to endure to get to this place mm. that I never thought I would see. What other pain am I willing to endure to get to another place I can't see? Yeah. You know, and trusting myself. It feels like we're cycling all the way back to the original rant, (laughs) where by not having a protector, I have the opportunity to experience the pain of, maybe even the pain of failure, Mm -hmm. the pain of mistakes, Mm -hmm. and to grow from that pain. Exactly. Yeah. Though I gotta say, having Dan as my protector, and it may be a little different because we were in a relationship, so he wasn't my protector, air right. quotes, you know. But you know, <laughs> he he was still my protector as I was learning a new lifestyle and I was on my healing path and I was in a very vulnerable situation. But I tell you what, he wasn't a protector that grabbed me and pulled me back from anything. Right. He was one that shoved me forward. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how you would use the word protector. With what we did, I know. But he, but I felt safe, if nothing else, well, <laughs> as he pushed me forward. Obviously, I did. You know? But it allowed me to explore so much stuff. Yeah, the the way he did it was not limiting. It wasn't. Um, he, I still was taught to speak up for myself. Mm-hmm. You do, know, when do it was you time. And... One of my early failed scene names before I came across the fantastic scene name of Dan. Um, <laughs> Dak. No, Guardian. Dex. Oh yeah, Dak. Dak was Dak. Oh, I thought Dak, and and of course I will out myself as a vast, vast geek. I was like Dak. Oh, Dak was loose co-pilot in the Hoth battle. (laughs) (laughs) And Dak died in the in the crash when they crashed in the front of the walker. No, no, that is so right pretty now, geeky. So right now there's a bunch of people going, holy shit, you fucking nerd. Why do you even I just that? admitted to someone recently I wasn't as geeky as I, as I wish I was. <laughs> I wish That's I was the geekier. The really sad thing about your, your Star Wars connection is that got me hard. <laughs> Yay for Dawn. <laughs> or maybe Mo. Or maybe... <laughs> I don't know. Do you have a protector? <laughs> I don't. Well, I'm available. I have exactly the opposite of a protector. I have a get the fuck out of here and go do some shit. Exactly. Exactly. You have a safe place to come back to and lick your wounds, but you better go get wounded so that you've got Mm -hmm. something to do. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Which is so fabulous, you know. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because... I think that in accepting that pain and loss is not just a part of this process, but it's endemic to and critical and vital to the process, allows you to accept yourself mm-hmm. and allows you to accept the parts of yourself that you might not see as so awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this is one of the things I first um, I got to when I said, uh, um, 
oh my gosh, I think I'm a pervert. And then I was like, oh, but I'm too X, Y, and Z. I'm too bossy. I'm too loud. I'm too this and this and that to be a slave, Mm -hmm. you know? And my first relationship reinforced that. My first dominant wanted someone who was very, you know, he wanted invisible service, you know, the sort of person who floats in and out and is not seen. You know, he wanted to have the person who was uh, uh, not noted by other bystanders and was only there and available when, you know, when they wanted and they were called on. And uh, I remember I got in trouble, not it, quote unquote in trouble. You know, one of my corrective measures was we had a formal leather tee. And afterwards, several of the guests commented to uh, my <gasps> dominant and to our major domo of our home uh, that I gave really impeccable service. And so during the, you know, end of week decompression and catch up session, I was told, well, you know, your service was noted by several people. We're really going to need, you're really going to need to work on your level of invisibility because people should not be seeing and commenting on you. You are not the point of this gathering. Interesting. And yeah. so I was devastated. I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't know what to do. And so I saw who I was as a flaw, mm. you know? Um, and it was interesting is that uh, a year or so later, I was talking to another friend of mine who was a slave I admired very much, a woman named Teramis, and she's just amazing, one of my mentors. And I told her this, and she'd been one of the people who'd sent the note, and was like, God damn it. She said, Mo, you can't stand in a corner with your back to the room and not call attention to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's just who you are. You can't change that any more than you could change the melanin content of your skin or your kinky hair. It's who you are. And if you are not permitted, no, encouraged to be that person, that's not the service place for you. Right. Agreed. And I was like, oh, well, oh my goodness. Well, who, you know, but I thought slaves were supposed to be in, in, you know. Oh, yeah. And so my weakness (laughs) was something that I finally said, you know what, what I need to find is the person for whom who I am is helpful and useful. And beneficial and all of that shit, you know. Um, and so I've learned to understand that these quote-unquote weaknesses are things that we have to celebrate, mm-hmm. you know. And if you are the sort of person who sits around going, ah, oh, this is wrong with me and that's wrong with me, eh, take those things and try it out the other night just saying, my God, you know what? I really am really snobby about certain things. Um, first of all, I'm a New Yorker, so we've got that whole thing. <laughs> and I grew up in the arts, and so I'm a real art snob. You know, when people are like, oh, we want to see this movie. I'm like, oh, that mainstream consumer, <sighs> like, suck it up. Yeah. 50,000 people a second are going to watch it thing. Hmm, enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> we and have so people are like, you fucking snob. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, because you're taught that that is a right. bad thing. Don't be snobby. Love everyone. Accept everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. movie snobs. I think we've uh, come to embrace that. Cause <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's interesting because I punished myself for so much of my personality for so many years mm-hmm. that I finally had to say you know what I'm going to celebrate that in the same way I celebrate the, my submissive self in the same way I don't say you know what you want to be owned you want to submit that doesn't make you weaker or less than mm-hmm. that makes you who you are and it makes you unique and valuable absolutely and the day that you accept Um, one of the worst things I did with me was to say, God, you're not there yet. God, you're not there yet. Why aren't you there yet? Why can't you do this yet? And the day I went, you know what? Because I'm right here. I'm I'm right here in this moment and I'm not there yet as in the other side of whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. to be who I want to be. And, um, and once I accepted that, it was like a deep breath. (sighs) Yeah. But I'm still putting one foot in front of the other. 
and I'll get there. Exactly. You know, it's exactly. it's a journey. It's not the end thing. And I think so, if you worry too much about getting there, you'll miss it when you're there. Exactly. You know, because so, you never will, you never will have arrived because you're always looking forward versus looking down. Yes. Looking straight in the moment and in where you are. Mindfulness. And saying, oh my God! <laughs> yes, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, I had years ago, I'd read Vi Johnson's book, To Love, To Obey, To Serve, I believe it's called. I'll put a link to it because it's, it's an amazing book. Um, and told her story of being a slave. And I put it down and I said, I, will, I am glad I read this because it tells me I'm not a slave. I know that that's not me. Okay. I can never do that that she did. And Jesus Christ, that's, oh, I'll just be a submissive then. That's, that's who I am. <laughs> And then a year or so later, I met Vi and said, you know, I am so glad you wrote this book because it really helped me to understand that I'm not a slave. And she said, oh, really? Why don't you tell me about that? And so, <laughs> and so I said, well, you know, I said, I feel these things and I really do desire ownership and I do feel safest and best when, you know, I have that obedience and that structure for me. And, but I'm not, you know, I couldn't give everything and I really wouldn't feel as though I could say yes to something that was maybe destructive. And I don't, I just don't think I could live that way. And, but so thank you for showing me the path of not slavery. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, if you're a slave, you're a slave. Mm-hmm. That is who you are. Everyone else's journey, she goes, don't look at my journey and say that it's not yours. Of course it isn't. It can never be. It shouldn't ever be. In your heart is who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have to realize. And I was like, oh, so so I can be a slave if I'm not a slave in the way you are? Holy Mm -hmm. shit. (laughs) You know, I can be a good person even if I am arrogant and snobby about (laughs) these particular things. Holy shit. You know, owning it is amazing. Mm-hmm. The people who own everything about themselves, I find magnificent. Even the assholes. If someone's like, you know what? I'm just a, I'm just a giant selfish asshole. Sucking up everything inside. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Mm-hmm. And they own that. You're just like, good good on you. Thank you. I know, know how to handle you. Yeah. But, but even owning the positive stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I owned something with uh, somebody I was talking to today that was positive. And, and positive or negative, it can be part of your shadow if you don't own it. Exactly. And have control over you. And you don't even know what it is controlling you because you haven't said, hello, <laughs> this is part of who I am. Yeah. You yeah. know? And you have to. You know, that's, that's one of the wonderful things, you know, and I never thought I'd say this when I got into recovery. People at meetings would stand up and say, AA meetings, that is. Would stand up and say, I'm so grateful I'm an alcoholic. I'm like, you're a fucking nutcase. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? This is like the worst thing ever. Fucking alcoholic. I had to go to rehab. It's so dumb. You know, I was like, this is, God damn, this is stupid. Um, however, I will say now, today I will say, oh my God, thank you for that. Because that gift has put me into a mindset, first of just going, today is amazing because I'm alive and breathing. Yes. Not to say that there's other routes to find that sort of space, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that was my path. You know, my part of what I discovered in my recovery as well was that I did have that shadow form, you know, and she had a name and she had a shape and she introduced herself, you know, <laughs> so I had this evil, leering, talking hyena creature that was my alcoholism and everything bad about me, mm. you know, and her name is Bubbles. She's fantastic. And, Everything uh, bad about you is named Bubbles. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. And is a stinky, nasty hyena, you know? Okay. And, um, and through the years, I just, I, I spent years figuring out how I could kill her. Mm. How do I, I'm like lead pipe to the fucking forehead. How do I kill you? How do I get you out of me? I need you gone. You are everything I hate, you know? 
that loudness, that tenacity, that like never stopping, that 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 tireless like trot to death, you know. And then a, about a year or so ago, I realized, wow, you know what? Actually, there's a lot about that nasty creature that's very valuable. You know, that tenacity, that the same thing that drove me to get up and drink every day is the same thing that drives me to push through the pain mm-hmm. and to find the stuff that is on the other side, you know, and in the process of embracing that, I discovered, oh, okay, yes, parts of me do smell, parts of me are <laughs> difficult, parts of me don't look that charming, but if I embrace them with compassion and say, you know what, stinky hyena, you are amazing. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, you, the, the, the hyena, hyena as an animal have the biggest heart per pound of any mammal. Wow. They can run all day. Not fast, but they can go. They can digest and get nourishment from anything. Bones, hair, they digest it. I'm like, wow, what if that's part of me? What if everything, even poop and pain and, and prickliness, all of that feeds me? What an amazing sort of thing to have and to own. Fantastic. This is great. This is awesome. You know, so accepting that to the point of now I have actually a tattoo of my hyena spirit and nice. look at her every morning and go, wow, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you are bringing these difficult lessons to me because that makes me grow and that makes me stronger, you know, and I can live anywhere like a lung fluke, like a lung fluke, <laughs> living on the gills of the evil sharks that predate the high plains of the leather community. <laughs> You totally snorted again. I did. I was sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to wrap it up for this week, month, this month, (laughs) this period of time. This period of time. (laughs) (laughs) And say thank you so much to Dan and Dawn for such an amazing opportunity. And to invite you to check out my website, M-O-L-L-E-N-A dot com. That's Melina.com. And uh, I'm also recently started uh, writing a column for Sexes Magazine, and we'll put a link to that there. I do that every other week, and I post on my blog, and I run around and do teaching gigs and stuff, so you can catch up with me wherever I'll be there. And I'm also on Twitter, but I strongly recommend you not follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm also Melina on Twitter because I tweet, I tend to tweet a lot. And I'm always on Twitter all the time, for fuck's sake, making people tired. Um, so if you don't want to know when I'm masturbating, please don't sign up to my Twitter account because I will tell you. Not during, though. I haven't masturbated during yet. But that's how I found out you took a train across the beach. Yes. That was so neat. Yes. I took the, the, the Coast Starlight from uh, L.A. to San Francisco. Beautiful train. You should take it if you can because it's so fucking awesome. On the beach. Yes. It's like a commercial. For California and its beauty and shit. We do accidental commercials for coffee all the time. <laughs> coffee, 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 coffee. So uh, thank you again so much. And please feel free to contact me. If you go to Molina.com, there's a contact me bar. If you have any questions or thoughts or comments, as long as they are polite, don't write to me and tell me I suck because I will then have your email address and I will sign you up for spam. Uh, I'm very serious about that. So <laughs> thank you again so much. And uh, signing off, peeps. Bye.